Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome into the drive here. 93.9 The Ville, Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever. It's a Thursday. We are sitting here, Tyler, on the precipice of the absolute best time of the year. Do I wish Louisville was a uh, a factor on the men's side in all of this? Of course I do. But even so, there's nothing better than tournament basketball. Nothing. No, there's not. And it just, you know, we, the last time when we did this a couple days ago, somebody compared it to... You know, usually it feels like Christmas or you're approaching Christmas for Louisville, yeah. and, I, and obviously it doesn't uh, right now, which kind of begs the question. I think you and I will get into this. It's like, do you latch on to somebody else for the tournament? Like, And if you do, like, how do you do that? Is there like a connection? Do you just like a mascot or something? Like, You can have some fun with it and do a few different things. Yeah, well, we and we will. I do want to uh, visit that very question at some point today. We can hold off uh, for now, but uh, about maybe if we could all, like maybe the show and you, the listeners, could all just like adopt a random team. Now, I I fully reserve the right to absolutely reject any number of pe- teams or uh, players that might be suggested here. Yeah. For instance, there isn't a scenario in this world where I'm going to say we have adopted North Carolina and Armando Baycott. Like, that's not happening. Well, that, see, I know that you're going to adopt Virginia because you <laughs> love Virginia. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm all about the minimal amount of basketball being played as possible. <laughs> I just feel like Virginia is betting. If you are a Virginia fan, it's like betting the under every time. And that just seems unsporting to me. You're like, I want the least amount of basketball possible. I'm going to ensure that that happens. Murder ball. It is. It is murder ball. Yeah. I mean, hell, they flattened the ball. Yeah. They did. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. Try to blame somebody else for it. Maybe it was your fault. No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Speaking of the deflated ball, though, it did give me a quick flashback to when Louisville played Duke in the Zion Williamson year. I believe that was, what, Chris Mack's uh, second Year? Uh, when they had the, when they yeah. when Louisville had the big lead and they blew it, and uh, there was the photo that showed a tussle for the ball where Zion Williamson had a grip on the ball and it was indented where his thumbs were, like he was smashing a fully inflated basketball <laughs> and it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. If the guy got his hands on you, he'd kill you. Yeah, it, it's it's. Uh... It was really strange when that whole thing happened as I was covering that game, to be honest. Like, you talking it, about the Virginia game with the... Uh, the yeah, it was just weird. weird uh, I, it wasn't even an accusation. That was what was so weird about well, it. Well, it wasn't an accusation, and it wasn't like you were watching the game. And like the ball wouldn't bounce back up? Yeah, I wasn't watching the game and be like, that ball looks flat, or like, wow, that play was... That, that whole thing was so strange, and it just didn't really add up to me. Well, look, we've got plenty uh, that we are going to get into here Today, postseason basketball on the men's and women's side has arrived now. We've got uh, conference tournaments going on as we speak right now. Uh, Louisville, the women will be in action tomorrow 
but we've got it going on right now. Mississippi State and Texas A&M playing in the SEC tournament. I think NC State and Syracuse are playing in the ACC tournament uh, right now. And Tyler, I think for everyone's mood, you know, it's hard to 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 overstate just how much of a lift Louisville got out of Jeff Walls' run last year. Yeah, and they could. I think all this entire fan base having endured a far worse basketball season this year could even could that much more use the same thing. Yeah, uh, and I think right now it's what's difficult about that is trying to figure out how possible that really is because the frustration I think with with the Louisville women's team this season is that there has been so much inconsistency. Uh particularly when they've had opportunities to get some really good wins and played like they were capable of pulling that off for either a half or three quarters, and then it kind of just all fell off. You know, you can go back to uh, NC State is not the best example of this because NC State is not up to the usual quality they are in most seasons, but, like, you played great for three quarters and then went ice cold in the fourth and lost. Uh, the Notre Dame game at home recently, the first half, I thought they played pretty well. Olivia Miles goes out of the game, and everybody's thinking, okay, you were already up nine at half. Now Olivia Miles isn't coming back, so this should be one you can close out. Didn't work out that way. Uh, the Virginia Tech game, a shot at the buzzer doesn't go down. It's, you know they've, they've been right there, and they just haven't been able to get over the hump. And I, I think it's a representation of last year's team – just fully got it from the jump. Everybody understood what their role was. Everybody knew what they needed to do to the best of their ability to make Louisville a better team. And I don't think that's happened this year. I don't think there has been a total clear-cut understanding of what everybody needs to do in what role. And you see that because you you see it in the inconsistencies that they have. Uh, And that's something they have to get a grip on if they want to make any sort of run in the ACC or NCAA tournaments. You know, the nice thing is I think we've all been fans long enough to know that even teams who have not figured it out now are still capable of going on some really nice runs. You know, with the 2012 Louisville team that ended up going to the Final Four lost the senior night and they lost the regular season finale on the road. Uh, to, and then went to the Big East tournament, and everything changed, you know. After that, and there, I mean, history is just filled with. I mean, Louisville's Final Four team member blew that last uh, last year, blew that big lead to Miami. Yeah, they lost uh, in, in the conference in the tournament. Yep. tournament. Yeah, yep. and Jeff Jeff was, took the blame for that and said it was his fault for trying to milk the roster for some minutes to try to basically to pace them for the whole week. Like the the nice thing is those kinds of runs are often totally unprecedented in terms of like the season you just didn't see them you don't see them coming but there they are and, and i'm telling you man if there was ever a year where jeff's maybe got something magical in there this is it it's hard to you could use it you could use it and, and i i think the the main problem really at this point and, and jeff has alluded to this is that uh, i still don't think that Jeff, since the, they made the starting lineup change, and with that, Morgan Jones and CC Carr go to the bench. But you watch Louisville play. I think I turned my mic away there for a second. Sorry. You watch Louisville play, and you notice, obviously, how talented CC and Morgan are and what they bring to the table. And just from a pure talent standpoint, I 100% think they're, they started for a majority of the year before the past eight games. But now they've had to adjust to these roles to coming off the bench and making the most of their time. And and I remember asking Jeff at the end of, uh, after the the last game against Notre Dame, you know, they played a combined 23 minutes against Notre Dame. If you would have told anybody at the beginning of the year, after getting those two transfers, that they were going to play a combined 23 minutes in one of the biggest games of the year at home against a team that, you know, I think we could safely call Notre Dame a, a rival for Louisville women's hoops. Like, doesn't seem to be a whole lot of love, whole much much love lost between those two and the success that they've had in the conference. Uh, I don't think anybody would have bought that. 
But it just shows that, like, I, I think Jeff's been frustrated all year with the overall buy-in from from not just those two, but everybody. Uh, so do you have to, like, make a deal as a coach? It's like, okay, I need the, these two hitting to be able to reach a full potential. Does that mean I have to live with some of the things that I've been frustrated about all year? I don't know. And, and that's, that, I mean, that's the hard part of coaching. Uh, but I do think it's one he's got a way out here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think this might be a place where you you wonder about a coach and and a team who isn't ideal, but it's still your job to get the absolute best out of them that that's possible to be gotten, you know, out of a group. And you have to, I think you in particular got to ask yourself about how can I compromise without compromising, right? You know, and then how where can we adjust without me feeling like I'm giving in to like bad behavior basically. And I think it's like this conversation right here. We talk about Russ Smith doing this with Rick Pitino. Like Rick was rigid and Rick look still is rigid. Don't get me wrong here. But, but Russ, I think playfully is probably the best word I can think of pushed him to sort of be more tolerant of like free styling, basically, you know, sort of playing outside of like strict kind of boundaries there. And it, and everyone benefited from that. Russ got pushed back a little closer inside the lines. Rick got pushed a little further out and the team played, I think a little freer and it revitalized Rick, I think. And, and that's a difficult dance for any coach to do. And Kenny's done a different thing, you know, this year where it's, you know, when you're a new coach, you, you're, you're doing this with every single person on the team because this is a, like a brand new group entirely. And I do think if there's a place to sort of have a, a criticism of him, it's compromising perhaps a little way too much, or at least a little bit yeah. too much with some of the things we're talking about here. Well, and a caveat to all of this as well is like, think about this. The dynamic between Russ and Rick and, and developing that relationship and, and fully understanding each other you're trying to do that now on, on a bit of a much smaller timeline in a lot of cases because back then you, you couldn't transfer as freely. And, and I'm not saying this with, with the guise of like, oh, you know, these this transfer portal is a problem and I don't, you know, because that, that's, yeah, I'm not doing all of that. But it is a reality now in that like you can freely transfer as opposed to before uh, where I feel like before – players probably had to weigh the aspect of like okay i don't really love this right now but do i really want to sit out a year sure and that helped you you know okay maybe let's let's look at this from a different scope so now you're dealing with that and and i'll look at this from from the women's side before fully transitioning into you know kp and the team and such uh you know you look at someone like like morgan jones and cc they're here for a year so you can't you don't have the the benefit of time to fully realize that relationship. Uh, it's why I think you often hear Jeff say that he you know he wishes he could have got you know another year out of this that or the other because we're all seeing this sped up. You know, do I think that uh, Morgan Jones would have a bigger role or more production or closer to the? first team ACC or all American production she had at Florida State if she had more time with Jeff and they could come on come to better terms about what her role in playing time should be yes but they don't have that benefit they have one year to figure it out uh and and there's no getting around that if Louisville is going to get beyond the first weekend of the NCAA tournament and, and challenge in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four I do not see how that is a possibility without Morgan Jones being a really capable X factor in all of that. She's too talented. She's too good, too gifted to not have a role. So I, that's the biggest thing that I'll watch over the next couple of weeks is, is how many minutes does she play? Uh, when she's in there, is she fulfilling whatever it is that Jeff wants? Or, or how frustrated is she thinking that she is fulfilling that and Jeff doesn't see it? Uh, that's that's going to be huge for them over the next couple of weeks. They have to figure out a way to get more out. Because I, I, I don't, I'll pull it up, but I'm pretty sure she played like eight, nine, ten minutes like over the last, each of the last three games. And, and that's just something that nobody would have thought coming into the year. I think the important thing to remember with the women's team as a, like an indicator, like a sneaky indicator is what can we do? Have we done enough 
to get Haley Van Lith to stop wearing blue shoes. <laughs> I, I cannot express to you the degree to which, to the people that it very much bothers, and there, I don't know how many of them there are, but it pisses them off. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's really strange. I get it, but like it's funny. The then things like Mark Blankenbaker sometimes kills me with like the stuff that he just remembers is like a deal breaker. Yeah. For very you know various athletes, either Louisville athletes or others, and like this is one that a lot of people are like to hell with this. I don't care what what's being marketed. I don't care what the NIL deal is. Whatever it is, enough. With, like we got to have some standards here. No way. Yeah, not this. You're not you're not wearing that shade of blue here. Yeah. By any yeah. means. Uh. Yeah. For the record, Morgan ten eight and ten over the last each of the last three games. Uh, that's. And look, her minutes have obviously dropped quite a bit since Jeff made the starting lineup change. Uh, you mentioned Haley, too. Like, look, Haley obviously has to, to shoulder. I think she shouldered a huge load this year uh, as a scorer, which means she's going to take more shots just naturally because she, she's their best scorer. And they have to turn. She's the best at creating her own shot out of anybody they probably have on the team. Uh, but I do think that often leads to her forcing things. Which leads to turnovers and, and you know, I think she shot twenty one times against Notre Dame. Like I, I I need to check that again, but I'm pretty sure it was twenty three points on like twenty one shots, which obviously is not very efficient. Um but, but I think all of that goes hand in hand with, with what we were just talking about. It's like, you know, I, I think Morgan can bring you some help on the offensive end and the way that she could shoot a mid range and, and use her length and athleticism to attack the rim. But can she be? Can she realize more of her potential on defense? And how much can you live with that balance uh, when you know that that you need a spark and you need a boost in some of these games where you know it's going to be tight? You're playing high quality opponents, and you you got to be able to live with that. We will talk with uh, Elliot Mattingly a little bit later. Uh, in the show here, got a couple things I wanted to get into uh, with him, and we've got lots going on uh, around the world of sports and around locally, uh, college basketball, that sort of thing. I will, I think I'm going to retire something, Tyler, about myself. I'm going. Oh boy. I'm going to retire. Um, the like I I'm forever saying like, uh, you know, I don't like to be petty, but because <laughs> I've, I've, I'm saying it more than I am mean to which means i'm probably pettier than i am willing to admit yeah uh at this point but i I want to fully confess to everyone that i stood up and fist pumped like tiger woods at the masters when jordan wright hit that shot for vanderbilt last night (laughs) i am i'm owning it you know i'm i'm trying to be not like that all yeah. the time, because it's. But with the year I've had, screw it, right? With the year now we've all sort of sat th- exactly, <laughs> and and to for that to happen last night, it felt really good. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was interesting. Do you think less of me for telling you that? I, I no, I don't. Right. I mean, I it's it's sports. I get it. Rivalries are a thing, and and I don't. You know, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I covered the game last night, and it was, it was really interesting. Like, uh, because the 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 health storyline is lingering so large over Kentucky. Uh, I mean, look, I, I think Vanderbilt was very much in that game and being competitive when Casey Wallace was even on the court, and Vanderbilt was dealing with a huge injury, losing Robbins very early in the game. And I thought what was impressive about that was like they still were able to meet Kentucky's physicality. In, in a lot of ways on, on the glass and defensively. Um, also, man, I got to be honest, I, I think Jerry Stackhouse is doing a hell of a job at Vanderbilt. I, I will not be surprised at all if, A, he gets them into the tournament this year because their resume is like kind of a weird one. I think there'll be a like bubble. Uh, I think they have four quad one wins now as a team. And, and from like what he took over... When he started to now, now he's gotten some time. This isn't like a one or two year thing. Uh, I think he's got them going in the right direction, though, and I would not be surprised at all if they if they take a pretty big jump uh, next year. He, I, before we talk anything meaningful or substantive, when it comes to Jerry Stackhouse, I 
watch him and the almost in invariably Tyler when I watch him I think I would give anything to look that good in a suit <laughs> he, he he's got quite a selection amazing going on. Yeah, I mean, just his tailor is—he's on a it. Papa Grossman level. Like it, yeah. he looks fantastic every time. I'm in awe of that. Did you see my interaction with their official account at all? With Vandy's? Yeah. So no, tell me about this. I tweeted a joke last night because, like, I was on the sidelines and I was like, it was a timeout. Uh, they were reviewing something. Um, and I'm shooting on the baseline, and I'm right next to Vanderbilt's bench, and I'm just like, I'm looking at Stack's fit as a whole, the shoes, the suit, all that. I'm like, man, that's... Patino would like that. Like, it's yeah. Like he would, yeah, yeah, he would, yeah, But well I, I yeah. tweeted, I joked, I was like, so I, I took a video of what he was wearing, I was like, Jerry Stackhouse's fit just called me broke, because that's... Ah. Vanderbilt's official account found it after the game. Uh, let me see what they said. I've never looked that good in a suit. No, I mean I've I've worn suits for a while for my job, and I've never looked that good in a suit. So I give him credit, honestly. Oh yeah, they said, "Don't take it personal. What happens to the best of us?" <laughs> <laughs> and I I was laughing really hard about that. They were definitely enjoying last night, and what and it was a cool moment for Stack from the standpoint of like after the game, like he was very emotional talking about. Uh, not just the win, but the fact that Jordan Wright had such a big performance scoring 23 points and hitting the shot to win it. Because uh, I guess he was the first recruit that, that Stack got in Vanderbilt, and he was tearing up at the podium talking about it. And uh, it, it's a cool moment for them uh, as a whole. And for Kentucky, I think you have to, you know, you got to take into account that I don't think they've closed games particularly well this year, the entire season. Uh, but on top of that, like you, you played last night, really without a point guard because Severe's out for a couple weeks. Uh, Kaysen, you know, the, the x-rays came back negative, and Cal Perry said he wasn't swelling, but uh, you don't know if he's going to play against Arkansas, how much he'll play in the SEC tournament, or how smart it is to play him a lot in either of those um, because you obviously just want him at his best for the NCAA tournament. So the health storyline for Kentucky really in recent years, as Kyle Tucker pointed out earlier today as well, uh, it, it continues to loom large for them. Well, and it, when you think about it, I think it's hard not to think about both schools. And it, it's struggling by very, very different standards, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but struggling nonetheless. Uh, they're having injury issues. It's been a factor. You know, one of the things think, think that frustrates so many folks, or I guess worries so many folks around here, is, you know, Louisville's had this, this, uh, this unbelievably, you know, bad season, uh, in a year in which they've had just about perfect health, with the exception of Brendan Hundley Hatfield. They haven't had, they haven't had any of that, and in a year where, the team that's in first place in the SEC is, or in the ACC, isn't even ranked anymore, or won't be after this week with right. with Pitt. Like it's such an incredibly down year. Like it, when you start thinking about kind of these contextual factors, it it compounds how how disappointing this whole season has been. Well, yeah, and, and I couldn't help but, you know, obviously, I'm keeping up on Twitter and such with with various conversations regarding the team and it, it all almost always boils down to this blame game debate that we do about players and coaches and I couldn't help but think back I think they started 0-7 I tweet something like guys like th this is a collective failure like we're wasting time doing this is it a coach or a player thing like you don't get to 4-26 and with one party not holding their end of the bargain you get to 4-26 and when everybody is failing in some capacity. like Because it, it's not just being bad, it's being historically bad by any metric, by the record, by the advance stats, uh, and then you add in all the other factors of like that this is Louisville basketball and it's a program with, with great resources, great tradition, all of that stuff. You just you don't get to this point without everybody having a hand in it. And I guess that's kind of what bothers me in, in all of this is that there's this incessant need to try and, you know, I, I can't, 
I don't know if I'm articulating it well, but like to always like play a percentage game of whose fault is it really more? And it's like, man, I you just don't get this bad without it being everybody's fault. And, and you gotta figure if you do want to give some percentage of that, if we want to go 51, 49, either way, like you know, the coach is the one who's paid millions of dollars to figure this out or find a motivating factor. Uh, but obviously, the the message that KP's been preaching for most of the year there's a disconnect between him and the players. It just, it, it never sunk in. It didn't work. And now you get a complete reshuffling chance to see if they're going to listen to you come next year. Yeah, I've been, there's been two ways of reacting to how this season has gone that have frustrated me. And, and in particular, I think they frustrated me because they don't help the cause of what I think, you know, uh, a, a person arguing this way thinks they're helping. Uh, and that's, one, putting the blame on the media. And that's one. And then the other one is saying, if you talk about what's happening this year, they're hurt enough you know, by the negativity. Why are you spending time on this? You, know, like, you're, you must be trying to, to make it worse or, or what have you. So, like, the... Talking about it and is a negative just by talking about it, and you shouldn't. And then the media is like the problem. And I know we saw. I think I think it's the same caller that calls in occasionally, but uh, you know, tweets that that uh, you know what Kenny should do. He should take away access from some of these local media people coming after. First of all, I don't know why it would be me, but that's fine. Uh, does anyone? Does anyone really believe the media is why they're four and twenty-six? Well, no. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I think it's taking one one tweet or one point of view, and you know, I, I don't know if more people feel that way. But uh, well, I'll, I'll address one thing off the front. Uh, what access? What are we talking about? Like, well, I, I was gonna. I didn't want to necessarily say that. But I will. Yeah. I don't care. No. Like, I, listen. You're 100 percent right. Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, right. oh no, the weekly availability. Oh no. I mean, what you're gonna like revoke access to to games and and one weekly chance to or I guess it's two. You know, with the ACC uh, coaches Zoom call. Like, there's this. It's like this go to all the time about you're just doing this for access. Like there's this magical like power that apparently access is supposed to give all of us. And I'm just like, I mean, there's, if you really think it matters that much here, like, yeah, you have to have some level of access, but like it's not being dangled in front of people's faces, like a carrot, you know, it's that, that whole thing confuses me. Like, obviously we, we get two chances to talk with Kenny players, assistants, during the week you go to the game and it's it's your job to just call it how it is man like that's i think the media literacy part of this is is something that kind of continues to baffle me in some ways not just in sports but beyond sports as well but you know there, there's only so many ways to to talk about what's happened and what's happening and denying the the truth of it and the actual results just doesn't do anybody any good particularly Kenny and everybody moving forward. It's like, I think everybody's pretty well aware this is unacceptable. Uh, it's been said many times, but uh, in terms of how it went about or how the staff went about really maybe pushing that or trying to push it into action or, or making that clear throughout the season, yeah, I mean, that's probably worth a little, a little bit more studying. Well, I, I think the, the funny part about someone looking at this and stating – you know, one thing Kenny ought to do is give people less access is I think Eric Crawford said this before the season started. And he's right. Like when they were like, oh, three, I think he's like, Kenny should go all out with access. Oh, and yeah. Let, because there's nothing it, we could already tell three games in there weren't going to be basketball accomplishment storylines. He should open it up and let us come up with every human interest thing we can think of. Because that will actually buy you time, and that will buy you some – the more we know about the humanity of just about anybody, the nicer we are to them. 
uh, and the nicer we are about them, and it's a nice distraction if there's some good stories, even if they're not winning. Like we could use all of that. So the idea that the answer to all of this is is to is to be more restrictive, you know, and, and it, as if we're out here pulling an Auburn, right? Where you've got people like running out to media and saying that like he's having an affair with people in the office and stuff like that. Like all I think that we've done here locally pretty much is just talk about what they've done as a team, and it hasn't been very good. And really, Tyler, what it seems like to me is when someone is like, he should restrict their access. What they're really saying is, I don't want to hear from that person anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, essentially, and and I actually think these are two texts that are valuable to hear from uh, a listener real quick. You know, the local media does not have access like they did in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Yeah, drastically different levels of access there. That is correct. That's not a Louisville thing. That's an everywhere thing. Uh, when the local media did have access, I felt like I got to know the players more. Yeah, well, it's because you had more opportunities to talk to them. Like, you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, the best way I could put it as, as someone who conducts some interviews here and there is like there, there's a huge difference between talking to somebody in uh, a news conference setting and talking to someone one-on-one, face-to-face, uh, or having more time to be able to do that. It's a gigantic difference between those things because news conferences so often feel there's a lot more pressure in there that the environment you don't carry normal it's conversations like talking in front of your parents versus yeah. not talking in front of your right. parents. Right. It's it's just you know obviously there's some value as as to what's said in there and we you know we keep showing up to them that's our job and you ask questions whatever but everybody also is is well aware that like there's there's a lot of filtering going on there like everybody you know is getting trained on what they're you know what we're going to ask and what to expect that they're going to ask and you can't completely prepare for everything but it's you're not having a a totally honest truthful or authentic conversation sometimes it's it's not a i'm not trying to cast a whole blanket over it but generally speaking like that's usually how it goes um so yeah i think when when access was a little more open back in the day you got to know people better it it was also we didn't have the technological changes that we had and i will fully admit that there's plenty of media members out there who don't who would probably not handle the access very well if it was like that uh i can't help but think of the whole geo bernard fiasco with the bucks towards the end of the year like that was just i thought that was really strange the entire thing was strange. Uh, I know it was unprofessional and it was not handled well, but that's just one example. But uh, yeah, I feel like I just ranted for a few minutes there on the on the topic of access. We touched access. the nerve. That matters to you, I can tell. Yeah, it does matter to me. Well, it's, it's just because like uh, it's it's something where uh, I've always tried to take some pride, not only on this show but in general. Of like, I'm pretty transparent with how I approach my job most of the time, and I fully believe that even the people you cover can accept you being critical or quote-unquote negative, I guess, when they know it's coming from, like, a genuine place. And it's not coming from, oh, I'm just trying to bait you into saying something, like, bad or poor. Or, you know, it is it is a genuine place most of the time. Um, it was why I was kind of bothered, I think, when, when Cincinnati fans were getting so pissed that I showed up to, you know, Satterfield's introduction... Yeah and asked like very like just routine questions they were not baity as something and i was just like you guys you guys don't understand this like there's nothing personal here you can take it personally if you want but it's fine so uh yeah it's kind of a nerve for me the only the only thing i would add to this quick discussion about and look it's not a lot of people so i don't treat it like it's some sort of issue that we've got to deal with but uh, on any kind of a regular basis or anything but typically team's not very good and you get a segment of fans who are defensive of either a specific player or the coach. In this case, it's Kenny. You know, there have been others at times. And you get people who are like, the media is the problem. Cut them off. And, uh, the, you know, they'll learn to, to, to sort of fall in line. But then when, when they're good, it's the media is so negative And, uh, we, we, like, they can't support the team. Why won't they get on board? Like, it's... This ha- this complaint happens when they're good or when they're bad, like it, it it never matters. Like we always hear this because there are a group of people who just never ever want to hear anything other than it's sunny and eighty five degrees today. Well, yeah, that's just it's not going to be the reality of, of any of this. And 
I don't know how you would even attempt to try and spin any of this that way this year. Uh, I, I, you know, one of the first things that we were saying during the course of the season, particularly um, a little later, was like they haven't really grown or improved. And I think there were a few increments of improvement that you can point to, like a few individual cases. And if this recent stretch would have gone a little better, then I think you you would have had some a little bit of backing off of that. But when these last two games have shown really some alarming problems that you thought they might have either met or had a better grasp of, when those showed the way they did over the past two games, it kind of just you're like, all right, well, this doesn't really seem to... We're kind of back to the, all right, where's the growth question. Uh, and, and Kenny, I thought, was pretty open or adamant about issues the other night, while also, you know, I, I think he took some accountability of it in, in the post-game interview with, with the radio broadcast, but, uh, yeah, the players, I think, really wore a lot of blame in, in those post-game comments. All right, let's go ahead and take a break because we are not done so. We will come back. We'll continue on this a little bit. Elliot Mattingly also here on the drive on the Bill. Right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever here. We had one person text in earlier uh, saying they were hearing country music uh, on 93.9, and I think it is worth uh, keeping everybody kind of updated here. We did have some damage to our transmitter when that all of that insane wind uh, earlier this week. We are it's it's like resulted in some sort of shifting and interference from somebody else, and so that might happen. I know I'm hearing it not not quite as clear all the way up in Charlestown, Indiana, like I normally do. Uh, we're expecting I think to get that fixed like perhaps as early as tonight. But bear with us. We're doing our very best here. But it kind of are the uh, the victims of wind. Of all things, Tyler, you believe it? We're talking about the wind. I mean, it's fine. I, I work for a, lo- a local TV station, so I'm pretty used to weather dominating uh, some discussion or talk or coverage. It's pretty popular there. But uh, all I can. Oh, so here's, here's what I want to know. Uh huh. So you're just going to let us behind the curtain here. All right. When it comes to meteorologists, mm-hmm. are they. Like super competitive, either with each other or with other meteorologists, like from other places. Uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't get a huge vibe from the meteorologists I work with. They're like that. Uh, I can't speak for everybody else, but um, no. Nah, I mean, between like Ben and Alden and Christina and Colleen and all of them, uh, Reed Aiden, Legend. Uh, you know, I I don't get a huge like competitive vibe from them on that i think it's it's more of they're trying to you know that's a demanding gig especially when uh severe weather's kind of moving in like all you know you're basically on tv for very long periods of time with no script at all uh and you're trying to keep people informed of how to be safe and things like that so no i mean i could I think this is a longer answer, but no, I, I don't get a huge vibe from them like that. I'm surprised by that. Can I be honest with you? I thought I'm for sure. sure the answer to, for that would be yes. Well, I, I no, I mean, I, I don't, again, like I, 
like the weather office is a little like they're they're actually in the studio uh and we're a little bit off in the newsroom so you know i'm not privy to the the day-to-day conversation between them when like developments are happening like oh look you know that forecast is here that's this is what they think is gonna happen things like that i no i don't i'm not like too into it in that way uh but i probably understand where you're coming from in terms of some of the i see some interactions they seem intense yeah it's i can see that i can understand that some people might interpret me to be intense though you know in the way that i approach my job so like you know what i would really like hmm. and this is we just spent a whole chunk of time talking about the local media and now i'm going to tell you what i want to see from the local media what i would really like just once is for rival gangs of meteorologists cohorts of meteorologists whatever to fight like an anchorman well sort of to vehemently disagree about what the weather is going to be like that day like that's the thing that i would just love they'd be like those idiots are saying it's going to snow it will not snow and then it's just like it's on right if it snows those people are done and if it doesn't like hey we're gonna fight about this i would love that it's uh, just once they're like i don't know what they're looking at the math doesn't work out at all my favorite like local tv weather moments and by saying favorite i mean the one that that's really stupid is when there's severe weather and we have to cut in to programming to talk about it and people just start calling and emailing and texting like oh my goodness you just interrupted if you have a choice we do not have a choice right we never do never have a choice in those scenarios so i if i can if i can leave you with anything today maybe that's it maybe it's like okay if this happens trust us like we have to do that this has actually been a long con by Tyler <laughs> to befriend me and others at the station, make occasional appearances just to buy enough time to say, and oh, by the way. Stop getting mad about that. Stop getting mad about that. We legally are required to do this. Yes. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly right. what it is. Every time or every week at this time, we talk with our guy, Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy, and we are happy to do so now. Elliot, how's everything going, buddy? Have you been injured by the wind at all? No, um, I'm a little too dense to get injured by uh, some of the gusts <laughs> that we're having. Um, but you know what? I- I've at least felt it this time. It's pretty wild. Our clinic yeah, in, has. In my apartment, your clinic has been uh, in- damaged by the wind? Yeah, we had some siding pop off, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been uh, – my apartment is backs up to another building, and the wind whistles behind it. I've never lived anywhere where the wind whistles like that uh, before. It's been pretty wild uh, here lately. Uh, Elliot, let's talk uh, a little bit here about LeBron James. He promptly went out there and uh, declared that these, uh, these last part of the regular season uh, was the most important games of his entire career, uh, trying to finish well. Uh, and then he went right out there and hurt his foot. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm i conditioned to assume the worst when it comes to foot injuries, just because that's kind of how it's played out locally sometimes, especially with Malik Williams. I think I feel like we, a third of all your appearances ever, have we have talked about Malik Williams and his foot. But right. we've got a 38-year-old LeBron James with a, a foot issue now. They're saying a couple of weeks and they'll reevaluate. What's your, what, what's your initial reaction, your first thoughts on LeBron and his foot issue? You know, the weird thing was with, with Le- like LeBron, like they haven't come out with a diagnosis. So, you know, if, if it was something of note, like if, you know, if an ankle sprain is easy to diagnose or um, high ankle sprain or, or different other types of foot injuries, like turf toe, like we all know them. We all know like the diagnosis and timeline, but they haven't given any timeline. And I think a part of that is because if, if you remember, like when he went down, you can see him saying, I felt something pop. I felt something pop. And I think there's this big fear component because I think he was dealing with some foot soreness anyways. But, like, when something pops, we think about the big pops, which are like ACL and, uh, like, meniscus and some of those. But, like, our foot has a ton of little joints in there. And a pop can be something as simple as just, like, air releasing between our joints, like if somebody pops their back or their neck. It could be something like that. Or it could be a ligament. You know, there's a lot of different ligaments that connect those things, too. Um, So I'm a little bit optimistic when it comes to him, because he was able to continue and play the game um, and be effective. 
And then the fact that he doesn't have like a hard diagnosis yet when they have all the technology in the world to do so, it makes me think that, you know, a couple of weeks is probably going to be like on the, the full end, but I, I would almost guess he'd be back a little bit sooner than that. Elliot, I, I realize you're not privy to the, none of us are privy to the information when it comes to like severe Wheeler's health and like what specifically is going on, but you know, I'm just waiting for y'all to get me more access. I don't know, like, how long do I do this show before, before you all get me this kind of access? Hey, brother, we're we're waiting for info, too, on this, because it's kind of a weird deal. Like, you know, yesterday, Doc Calperi reveals that, uh, unrelated to his previous ankle injury, Severe Wheeler had a minor procedure uh, taken care of. That's going to knock him out for what he estimates about three weeks. Uh, I know we have a wide range of possibilities here, but as somebody who would hear that, like what what gears kind of turn in your mind for a minor procedure that knocks somebody out for a few weeks? You know, it almost makes me think that this is something that's not orthopedic related, you know, or not like you know bone and joint related, um, because if it's not dealing with his ankle or, or or maybe his shoulder, like he's had some issues in the past, like you know, really it's up in the air. Like three weeks is kind of a short timeline for any kind of hernia, but. Still, like you got to think about like those kind of things that you know they probably don't want to talk about, or or maybe he had something different going on, like appendix. Who knows that is just a, a little bit off the wall that, uh, that that we don't quite know about. That that's kind of what I thought when I heard the story. I was like, oh, this is this is something just that shouldn't affect his return. He just has some rules that he has to follow because it's a surgical procedure. We're talking with our guy Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy uh, here. Elliot, there's a uh renewed and i think increased intense talks about managing load management about the problem of load management in the nba they are the only league by far i think that explicitly just has players miss games because they want them to yeah it's it's a very different thing than than in the other leagues and there's increased complaining about it from media partners and such which I think I understand why that's happening. They're like, hey, if we're going to put these games on TV or whatever, I want to know if these guys are going to play or not. They used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that discussion is how much mileage and how much wear and tear is is kind of already on players by the time they get to the NBA. And, and the amount of time they're playing in this pursuit of making it to the league so that by the time they're there, they've got the legs of somebody who's a quite a bit older and worn uh, than, than what they've got there in your sort of your experience about that sort of thing. Like what, do, where do you see that with kids that you guys deal with at core physical therapy? You know, I think, I think this is a uh, touchy subject for a lot of people because people always love the, the good old days talk and, you know, it's, sure. it's easy to compare generations in sports and, uh, but you know, there's, there's not everything is, is apples to apples. You know, yeah, they, you know, they play the same timeline of season, but there's just a lot of different components. They go into it, and I think when you talk about load management, right now they're they're playing defense for the mistakes of their youth, you know. So when and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. like these guys are going through like ten NBA seasons length before they even go to the NBA, you know. So they're they're playing like eighty, hundred games a year on juvenile frames and juvenile bodies, you know. So that's why we see this big uptick in ACL tears and meniscus tears, and you know. That's why, you know, and then they get the titles that they're soft and all this kind of stuff. But, man, they, they are going through a ton to make it to the league because that's what they've been told by the adults who are complaining about load management. That's what they're being told that they have to do to make it to the league. So there's a lot of misconception on, on what really is the issue because, you know, in the old, old days, the tough guys played three sports. And like that, you sent me an article that, that we've read before. It's like, yeah, they take time off. They heal. They do other things. They play. They sleep. You know, they do all this other stuff that they're they're just not getting at, in the youth right now. So, I think load management needs to come on the front end when we're talking about these kids and how do we manage and restrict, just like we did with, with pitching. You know, there's pitch counts now. Well, how how do we do this for basketball? Elliot, I couldn't help but notice as a Ravens fan, but also just beyond this, the the NFLPA comes out with. Uh, various grades over certain over their organizations to try and give some insight into what the clubs can can do better and such and Ravens 
The the players voted the Ravens strength coaches to an F minus is what they graded it. <laughs> Which I I did not know that was possible. But yeah. on a wider scope for a second, like what could you possibly be disagreeing on so much in terms of treatment or approach or whatever to lead it to be that bad of a relationship? Or I guess how do you handle it if there's a disagreement between how a player thinks they should be treated and what and what you think for treatment. You know, so I'll I'll answer that in two two different ways. So I think um, when you're talking about the strength training and the issues that they're having there, you know, maybe their strength training isn't keeping up to date. You know, maybe they're not following the the newest science that that's out there because there's always new techniques and new developments on what is best practice for building strength and, and preventing injuries and all that. Um, so that would be my guess on, on that aspect. And maybe it's one of these these like. These people who who same thing that calls people soft, but it's going to make them work out so hard that they break down. So it actually is, ends up being a negative, than a than a positive because you're just working people out and they never have a chance to recover. Um, and then if that ever happens in my situation, um, then it, then it's my job to to try to explain the the rationale behind what I'm doing. You know, if if a patient doesn't trust me or buy into the care that I'm going to deliver, then then that's on me. Then I got to figure out what I need to do to educate them more pro- like properly or, or to, to build trust in, in myself and them to, uh, to be able to deliver that care. Because if I could be the, the greatest clinician out there, but if nobody likes me or wants to come see me or if they don't trust me, then I'm going to get an F minus too. You know, so it could be a relationship thing. Uh, it could be a skill set or not keeping up with the evidence. Uh, not really sure, but man, that is uh, I, I, you know what? I think that I would say that's probably not a good score. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of room for interpretation with an F. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's not great. Not great at all. <laughs> all like right, the, the minus is just like, you know what, you're terrible. Yep. But I want you to know that you're you're worse than that. You know? so, you're at the bottom of terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right, Elliot, if folks want to find out what, uh, what you and Core Physical Therapy can do for them, where do they need to go? Yeah, give us a call at 1-800-645-COURT. Check us out at court.com. We'd love to help you out. All right, we'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Thanks so much. All righty, bye-bye. All right, Elliot Manley, court physical therapy, good stuff from him. And F minus, woof, that's pretty bad. It is not a fun time to be a Ravens fan. And you got all the former players coming out just calling out the Ravens. and oh, right. Various things. I mean, various I things. I saw Matt Giudano, obviously, because I follow him because he's a Patriot now. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. his response. And, yeah, it's not good. Not I good. mean, I'm glad they moved on from Steve Saunders, who was the problem here as a, as a strength coach, but... Yeah, it's not been a it's yeah, not hold, a fun time to root for the old Ravens. Well, let's hold on to this and let's talk Ravens uh, yeah. on the other side here because it has been an eventful day uh, and remains an eventful time as we wait to see what the Ravens intend to do in terms of contract and uh, franchise tag and all that sort of thing uh, with Lamar here, all while happening around the draft combine. So we'll see. Uh, We'll have a discussion a little bit about some of today's events and what it might mean about Lamar here. On the other side, on the drive on I think of the